the spirit of Mama Earth is stirring. We're thrilled to welcome back Wolf Moon with a chilling new story in the continuing saga of the Spanish conquistador Capriccio and his war dog Leoncio as they battle the evil Pizarro. His stories have been published in several Third Flatiron anthologies, as well as in Science World, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Writers of the Future, and Deep Magic. He's podcast director for Future Science Fiction Digest and is represented by Donald Mass. Discover more tales of adventure on his Amazon author page and at his website at driftweave.com. And now, here's Cold Iron, read by the author. Cold Iron by Wolf Moon For a brief moment in time, I thought I had everything a young Spaniard in His Majesty's service could desire. Fame, wealth, bravura, immortality. Well, not quite immortality, but I discovered I was very hard to kill. It had made me arrogant. It had made me blind. I am Don Capriccio Delgado y Cervantes. I am a rojo, one of the fair-skinned Spaniards with red hair. The year? That was 1519. It is good to know where one is in the stream of time, especially when one is slipping in and out of it. My commander, Vasco Núñez de Balboa, had been beheaded, with my mighty war-dog Leoncio on one side, and Balboa's native wife Fulvia on the other. I had led a force to the outskirts of the town of Acla. We had crossed to the Caribbean side of the Isthmus to retrieve Balboa's head from a stake, and to repay Francisco Pizarro for betraying our commander and friend. I had called our forces to a halt at the jungle's edge, proud that native and Spaniard alike worked together as one, just as Balboa had dreamed, just as I hoped to fulfill. The sleeping town of Acla was just beyond, glowing under the red sky of dawn. As I kneeled beside mighty Leoncio, I gave his folds a rub and fastened the gambeson and steel breastplate over his chest. He watched me with those keen, golden eyes peculiar to a launce, woofed once as I unclipped leash from collar, then growled low and deadly as he knows the air. I looked up. There was no way they could have known we were coming. Their sentries had been silenced without a cry. But in my anger and arrogance, I had overlooked one thing. We were not dealing with mere mortals. Wicked spirits possessed Governor Pedrarius, Pizarro, and undoubtedly some of his other officers. They had been inhabited by Supe. These were spirits, Fulvia had explained, demigods that sought to inhabit those that could influence the rise and fall of nations. I would never have believed such talk before. But coming back from the dead after being struck by lead shot, you become open to new beliefs even if those beliefs, voiced in Castile, would get you a swift examination 
by the Khalifa Kadores, or heresy. The hairs on the back of my neck prickled. Something was wrong. I motioned for all to halt. I quickly opened a tin in my kit, unwrapped a hot coal, lit my match cord, clipped it in the firing mechanism of my arquebus, and raised the stock to my shoulder. The air draping the clearing, so dense with humidity, made it feel as if invisible hands had suddenly gripped it like a bedsheet and snapped it tight. It stole the wind from my troops' lungs, doubling them over. But whatever effect had struck them, I had inadvertently escaped by holding my breath, readying to take a shot. And there it was. From the corner of my eye, a black shadow lunged from the southwest edge of the town. Lee and Seo snarled and spun about, thundering toward the beast. It was a black jaguar, the biggest I had seen, and I could have sworn its pelt shimmered with uncanny starlight. In a heartbeat, he was charging for me, but in that heartbeat, I had thumbed open the firing pan of the arquebus, taken bead, tripped the lever. The smoldering match cord touched the pan. Primer ignited in a sulfurous hiss that spit flame and hot powder against my cheek. Damn the humidity! It made the primer burn slow. As my adrenaline surged, time entered that expanse of ever-speeding slowness. The pregnant pause as fire scurried down the touchhole to the charge. The jaguar's paws thrusting across the sandy loam. Leoncio's deadly snarl as he raced to intercept. Black death bearing ivory fangs as it spotted me. My aim tracking the cat's chest. A crimson flash from the muzzle. A thundercrack as the stock smacked against my shoulder. A cloud of white blocking sight. Sense of charcoal and sulfur and urine from saltpeter residue wafting in the smoke as I inhaled. I lowered the firearm, ears ringing. If the ball had hit the heart, the jaguar would drop. If I had missed my mark, it was over. Even if I had hit the beast in the head, it would have another ten seconds to rip mine off. And that would kill me, permanently, as it had Balboa. The smoke thinned. Bullseye! Leoncio's jaws were already clamped tight around the dead jaguar's throat. The powerful war dog shook his head side to side, ripping cartilage apart, spraying the sandy loam in crimson fonts. I muttered, Que diablos! over and over as I watched my men rolling on the ground, gasping for air. From the outlying shacks of the town, I heard a shout from a man I knew all too well. Pizarro. Charge! They had been waiting for us. My heart sank like a cannonball rolled off a ship's deck. Beaten by Pizarro again! Was there no way to change my luck? I looked to my men. They were dying. Somehow, Fulvia still stood, draped in the creamy tunic that marked her as a priestess. Her lips were clenched in determination. She reached in her bag, popped a ghostly pearl in her mouth, shoved one toward my lips. I pulled back. What will it do? Pizarro and his men were running toward us, howling, rapiers drawn. 
She slapped the silver cross that hung from my neck. Make you see this place. She tapped the fusion point of the horizontal and vertical bars. Place where heaven and earth meet. Andale, eat. She shoved it in my mouth. It had a jelly-like feeling of substance. The skin alone tasted more refined than precious spirits from Jerez. I bit down. Ooh, potent spirits. The red dawn turned pitch black. Tiempo, time, espacio tiempo, space and time. I was moving through time. Or had I moved through space? Fire ignited, broiled through my consciousness. My sense of presence, as weighty and substantial as ingots of gold, rippled and melted down into a shimmering pool. The molten ore of my soul wriggled, seeped under the dirt, wormed like radiant liquid serpents through fissures in the underlying sandstone, descended in a fanning vortex far away from what had just been my mortal body. Dark death was there, hissing and clicking like steel in a forge, enticing my snakes of thought to join its song in the iron heart of the earth. I had no powers to resist, not then, and my soul would have sunk into the depths of a molten core, there to be trapped until judgment day. But another presence crackled, it keen like whale song, bright as lightning that flashes across the surface of dark seas. Fulvia, go there, and you never come back. That thunderclap made the threads of my soul jerk about, and each twined into the one nearest. Strengthened, those then twined into the ones nearest them, as a mass as great as the moon called them up from earth's core, bundles of my consciousness fusing into other bundles as they became one. Her voice. Know the power of iron. Stay away from earth's core. I, Capriccio, stood as one man, sound and whole, at the base of an immense mountain. I looked to its white crown. I knew this mountain. Everyone that had sailed past Tierra Firme did. It was the mighty Pico Cristobal Colon. Fulvia was holding me. I was holding her. Her mahogany skin had paled, like it had been drained of much blood. You stand before the gateway of the hidden city and the golden pathway of twelve hundred stairs. My head still reeled. Where? This is Earth Cradle. She made a cross with her hands. Sacred place, where Earth Mother Aluna dwells. I hadn't seen the stairs. It had just been a stone basin with a churning tempest inside. But my ensorcelled sight could now see stepping stones of perfectly hewn masonry skirting around a pool and climbing up a hillside laced with terraces. The terraces had chutes, funneling water from one to the next, cascading down into streams that gurgled along each side of the golden pathway. Vines and flowers and fruit cascaded off each terrace, and I knew here was a wonder of the world greater than the hanging gardens of Babylon.
Where are our men? Fulvia leaned into me. She wobbled, barely able to stand. Dead. Pizarro spirit lord now. He swarmed them with supe. I held her, my head clearing under the gravity of the attack. I said nothing for a long while. But my hatred for Pizarro and his bloodlust burned low and dark, like the earth's core. And Leoncio? Where's my dog? She looked up, her black coral eyes brimming with tears. I could not save you both. Until that moment, I was stoic. Now, tears spilled from my eyes. Fulia wrapped her arms around my body. She buried her head in my chest. He's strong. He will survive. Your dog's life bled into you because he drank from these very waters. This is the fountain Ponce never found. Cuidad Perdida, the lost city. A place of mystery, a hidden kingdom. This place, the origin of the conquistador legends. El Dorado, the city of gold. Fuente de la Juventud, the fountain of youth. Not only longevity, but the power of eternal life. After all I had been through, I believed. We ascended. On the terraces were circular houses hewn from greenstone, wickedly hard gemstone that the natives carved sacred utensils from. Here, the whole city was greenstone, and I did not miss the point of how sacred that would make it. The gazebo roofs were actual tile, and everywhere the craftsmanship rivaled that of Spain. But Spain didn't mortar with gold. The sons of the jaguar, I came to see, seemed of flesh and blood. They smiled from their terraces as we passed, playing pan flutes, watching their children dance. They appeared completely at peace, and not shocked in the slightest that a Spaniard was walking through their city. I admired their robes. Like Fulvia's, they were supple and creamy white. Alpaca, Fulvia said. Tribute from the Inca, the empire along what you call Sausi. The gold they wore and adorned their homes with. I could have filled ten carracks with it. But the thought of melting such exquisite craftsmanship into ingots made me feel sick. Who could do... My reverie broke. Pizarro could do it without a moment's regret. That was my first true epiphany in life. That was the first time I actually saw the future, a thread of events that were intersections in time of what might be. I saw a vision of Pizarro raising a great mountain city, but it was not this place, and it was not these people. While Fulvia gained her strength as we rose, I began to pant. For being only a fraction up the mountain, the air felt as if we were standing on its peak. And it had that smelting furnace scent, and I wondered if this was the place where the natives sent their gold, for we had never found their furnaces in any tribe or kingdom. I touched Fulvia's shoulder. Signora, 
Please, I must breathe. Her voice was urgent. We cannot wait. Time is different here. I didn't like the sound of that. I held up my hand, took another few lungfuls. Where are we going? To Earth, Mother, she said. I watched openings in the canopy as night and day wheeled by, but this place was ever bathed in silvery light. Heart still hammering, I followed up. The final terrace was accessed by spiral stairs. When we reached the top, I saw the terrace was a perfect circle, appearing to be made from purest gold. A great granite throne sat in the center, surrounded by twelve man-sized greenstone toads. Atop their backs perched great cauldrons of gold, and cold blue fire burned, for it gave off no smoke. An albino woman of immense proportion sat on that throne, her cheeks covered in nacreous scales, her eyes closed as if asleep. The toad's mouths moved and croaked, the sound of temple gongs. Bow to the great Mama Aluna, she who balances earth and sky. It was in another language, not Chibcha, but I understood it as if I had heard it from the womb. I watched Fulvia, imitated her bow. The toads croaked. Have you brought an offering? Fulvia opened her shoulder bag. She pulled out two gold finger bars, placed them on the golden floor. They melted into it. To sustain the life of Earth Mother, she said with reverence, may she guide the scales of balance. We stood. Aluna opened her eyes. They were mercurial, like globes of hematite. Her lips did not move. But the air sang, and her gaze tugged at me in loco movements, as powerful as the South Sea's tides. I felt stripped and naked before her. I was glad when her focus passed. Welcome, Fulvia. How is the cross man you guide? Babylon. Balboa. Ah, Balboa, yes. He is well? Fulvia shuddered. He is dead. Aluna grimaced. Unexpected. This changes all. Fulvia took a deep breath. It does. My people will fall. We had one good man, untouched by Supe, that could have turned the tide. Dear child, I am sorry for your loss. I am sorry for the loss of all the people I watch over. This Balboa was the only man that could have stood in the waters of the Spanish onrush and kept it from overwhelming our land. Now others will do as they will, and their will is greed and bloodshed. Is there no way to stop them? No way to change what is to come? Aluna hunched her meaty shoulders. They come with lead. 
They come with iron. They come with steel. Their supe know I am weak against man-wrought metals. They come to spread their kingdoms over my lands and steal my life-sustaining gold. Fulvia shoved me forward. I have brought you another man. Indeed. Aluna turned her gaze on me again, and the marrow in my bones ached, so penetrating was her stare. What is your name, Crossman? Capriccio. What is it you seek? There was no pause. Justice against Pizarro. The intense gaze eased. You have stones. I give you that. The gold floor rippled. Benches appeared behind us. Sit. As we sat, I saw the mountaintop behind her. A sliver of moon inched across the sky, waxing, waning, waxing, waning. How much time was passing? I need a way to blind these supe, I said. I cannot defeat them when they foresee me coming. Yes, supe have bright eyes. But there is more. Someone stole my waters of life. What good is defeating them if your devilmen can rise up again? If I can blind those devils' eyes, I can cut off their hosts' heads. Supe can live long in a severed head, especially if they have gold in ear or mouth. Here was opportunity. You know the way to destroy them. Teach me. You need one metal to blind, one metal to bind. Cold iron, meteorito metal, forged in heaven, fallen to the earth. She told me it was the metal to blind. It was the rarest metal on earth. But not when you traded with the people that lived on some of Earth's tallest peaks. Aluna had an abundance. And to bind? How rare will that be to find? She laughed. It was the rumble of an avalanche rolling down a mountain. My mouth savored the sweet stellar nectar of the ghost pearl I had just chewed. This time I was not so disoriented. This time, Fulvia was strong. Aluna had granted us each a gift of cold iron. It looked like blacksmith's slag. I tucked mine in my pack. She had warned us much time had passed, and that the fate of Tierra Firme had already been cast. And then she had spun us out of her fountain realm, slinging us across Espacio Tiempo. I still believed the future could be changed. I discovered the future had already passed. The sun was sinking over a town that looked as if we had been transported to Spain. Fulvia gripped my arm. Capriccio, what is this place? I was more concerned as to when was this place. 
I led Fulvia toward an adobe cathedral. A black friar stood outside, sweeping the steps. Padre, por favor, could you tell us the date? It is good to know where one is in the stream of time. He eyed us in that way only black friars can. Signor, it is 28th of June, 1541, Anno Domini. Que? You are joking. Signor, I am Dominican. We never joke. Twenty-two years had passed. Shocked, I pressed on. And the city and country? He frowned. City of the kings, land of Peru. Conquistador Pizarro claimed this country for our king and laid the very first flagstone of this cathedral. <sighs> Pizarro! He lives here? The black friar crossed himself. He resides here, in a manner of speaking. He was murdered two days ago and has been laid to rest inside. Do you know our patron? Two days dead. How long did it take his body to regenerate? There was no time. I nudged Fulvia, dropped to one knee, crossed myself. Oh, my cousin, my cousin, how the lines of Castile have fallen. I wiped my eyes, looked up. Can you take me to him? I have traveled so far. We had traveled far and the black friar saw the truth in my eyes. Come, my son. He opened one side of the double-entry door. It was obvious this cathedral was still under construction. Some of the alcoves were yet unfinished. The black friar led us down the nave to the apse, bathed in bloody light by the setting sun shining through the arches. On a pedestal was a coffin. I whispered to Fulvia as we approached. Do you have more gold? See, si. mamas always carry gold. She palmed me a piece as we stepped before the coffin. I pressed it into the black friar's hands. If I might have a moment alone? The black friar smiled at the donation. Muchas gracias. Take your time. I shall finish outside. As the door shut, I pulled out my cold iron and dagger. Quick, help me get the lid off. Fulvia slid a stone knife under the lid and pried up. I had been in many battles, but I had never seen a body slashed and stabbed so many times. I did not know the story yet, but it seemed obvious this man had been truly hated. His eyes flared open, confusion for a moment, and then a hiss. Capriccio! His arms lurched, bony hands clutched my neck. For a dead man, he had a most lively grip. Fulvia cracked his temple with her ball of cold iron. For my esposo! I will spare the gruesome details. But as we walked out of the cathedral, the pack slung over my shoulder 
bulged with added weight. Fulvia and I returned the same time next day, the body still within the lidded casket. A mass would be spoken on the morrow, but we would be gone. I had a box made, rectangular, about the size of one bastard's head. From that head I removed a gold earring and many gold teeth. Madre de Dios, the unholy thing tried to bite me many times. As I sealed the head and cold iron within the box, I could hear vile cursing. And then I went to the armor in town and paid him to take siesta while I covered the box in lead. The head went silent after that. One metal to blind, one metal to bind. He was still a Castilian Spaniard. I would not stoop to the gross disrespect he had shown Balboa. I even gave his lead reliquary an inscription. Here is the head of Don Francisco Pizarro de Marques, Don Francisco Pizarro, who discovered Peru and presented it to the crown of Castile. We lifted a foundation stone in one of the unfinished alcoves, buried it in the dirt, settled the slab back down. Mother Earth could watch over him now. I had a dog to go find. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns.